On June 15, 2020, the Supreme Court issued a decision in a series of cases brought by gay and transgender workers alleging that their employers violated Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VII by discriminating against them because of sex. The court held 6-3 in Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia, that Title VII forbids employers from firing an individual for being gay or transgender. The court decision in Bostock was combined with two other cases, Altitude Express Inc. v. Zarda and RG and GR Harris Funeral Homes Inc. v. EEOC. Title VII prohibits the employment discrimination on several different bases, including by barring covered employers from discriminating against any individuals because of sex. The statute does not explicitly address whether that prohibits applies to sexual orientation or gender identity. In Price Waterhauer v. Hopskin, a four-justice priority recognized that discriminating against individuals based on a failure to conform to um, stereotypes about how men and women should behave as unlawful discrimination under Title VII. Title VII prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity, has split lower federal courts. The Supreme Court decision, Bostock represents the court decision for three combined cases. Originally, the court granted Sartori in combined cases of Bostock and Altitude Express on whether discrimination based on sexual orientation amounts to discrimination because of sex under Title VII. The court also granted the petition for Sartori in Harris Funeral Homes, which raised two related questions, whether Title VII prohibits discrimination against transgender individuals based on, one, their status as a transgender, Oh, two sex st- stereotyping under Price Waterhouse. The final decision in Bostock combines all the cases in a majority opinion written by Justice Gorchus, Justice Alito, joined by Justice Thomas, issued a dissenting opinion, and Justice Kavanaugh issued a separate dissent. Majority opinion, Justice Gorchus, majority opinion, focus on the ordinary public meaning of Title VII. It's respective of what the drafters of Title VII may have intended or anticipated. The majority concluded that the plain meaning of Title VII prohibits of of discrimination because of sex extend to discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. That language, the court explained, incorporates the but-for standard of causation. If an outcome would not have occurred but-for, the appropriate cause causation is established. There can be multiple, but four causes of the same event. The majority opinion gave an example. If a car crash occurred, both because of a defendant ran a red light and because a plaintiff failed to signal, both are but four causes. On Title Seven, as long as sex is one thing that did cause discrimination, it counts. In other words. When testing whether discrimination occurred because of sex, the court changes one thing at the time to see if the outcome changes. If so, the court has found a but-for cause. It doesn't matter, the court explained. If an employer also considered factors other than sex 
it bears mentioning that the court has applied a different causation standard for Title VII cases in the past. And the majority opinion notes that Congress amended that um, statute to provide an alternative motivating factor standard. Applying that standard liability can sometimes attach even if sex wasn't a but-for cause of the employer challenges decision. But the Bostock majority believe it is unnecessary to resolve the case under this more lenient standard for establishing liability. The court emphasized that Title VII prohibition against discrimination is focused on individuals rather than different treatment across groups. That is, the law prohibits discrimination focused on an individual employee even if an employer treated women as a group the same when compared to men as a group. The focus on individuals means an employer cannot successfully defend its discrimination because both sexes were subject to the same discrimination policies. Applying that analysis to discrimination on sexual orientation or gender identity, the court ruled that singling out an employee on either basis construes D- discrimination based on sex in violation of Title VII. The court reasoned that it is impossible to act on either basis without considering sex. As an ex- as a- an example, the court pointed to a situation where two employees, a man and a woman, are attracted to men. If an employer fires that man for being attracted to men, but not for women who is also attracted to men, the employer discriminates against him for traits that the employer tolerates for a woman. The employee is singled out in part because of his sex, a but-for cause of discrimination. Likewise, the court noted if an employer fires a transgender man assigned female gender at birth who now identifies a man for being transgender, the employer penalizes that person for being assigned the female gender at birth for traits that it would, not, that it would tolerate in a person assigned the male gender at birth. The majority opinion, while acknowledging the potential implication of the court decision for other areas of law, such as other um, um, statutes that per- prohibit t- discrimination based on sex as well as religious liberty under the Constitution, declined to examine the application of its reasoning to um, circumstances outside the cases before it. Dissenting Opinions Justice Alito Dissenting opinion claimed that the majority was creating le- le- legislation through the t- disguise of the um, decision. He argued that virtually no one in 1964 would have understood the um, um, statute to pro- prohibit d- discrimination on the base on these bases. He highlighted arenas in which the court reasoning would have far-reaching concentration for Justice Alito with a Tire Seven bars discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity should be the product of legislative decision rather than judicial construction. He argued, among other things, that the court holding will threaten freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and personal privacy and safety. Justin Kavanaugh's dissent similarly criticized the majority opinion for judicially amending the text of Title VII. He contended that the majority relied on a literate reading of the statute and approach that conflicted with the ordinary meaning of discriminate because of sex, which Justice Kavanaugh argued was not commonly understood to encompass discrimination related to 
to um, sexual orientation or gender identity. The potential implications of Bostock. In restart in in re responding to the dissenting opinion, Justice Alito the majority opinions seem to acknowledge that this decision could have implications for other statutory and constitutional provisions, but noted that those were questions for future cases, as noted by Justice Alito's dissent. The reasoning of Bostock may raise questions in such future cases under various legal doctrines and other provisions. While not exhausted, the following areas might see such development. First, courts have already wrestled with the circumstances of sex. Sex is BFOQ, necessary to operation of a business. They may now need to de de determine how Bostock applies in those circumstances. Second, courts have examined the interaction between Title VII requirements of, of its religious exemptions as well as religious liberties claimed under the Constitution. Courts will likely be asked to apply Bostock in those same situations. Finally, because Title VII Federal VIII, pro, pro, prohibit Finally, because Title VII and Title IX both prohibit discrimination because of sex, courts often draw on Title VII to interpret Title IX. Courts will now be asked whether Bostock demands that Discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity also violates Title IX, as well as um, um, statutes that incorporate Title IX's provisions. Title VII contains exceptions permitting sexual discrimination when sex is a bona fide occupational qualification reasonably necessary to, to the normal operation of employment. Generally, this means that employers may, in narrow um, circumstances, make employment decisions based on individual sex when the essence of the job would be undermined by hiring members of both sexes. This is this exemption courts have ruled reaches only special um, situations. For example, the Supreme Court has ruled that requiring prison guards at a maximum um, um, security men's prison to be male is a policy that falls under BFOQ exception because hiring women could create a, a security problem linked to their sexes. Likewise, some courts have reached that the conclusion for women prisons deciding that re requiring guards to be women in that situation is a BFOQ. In recent case, one appellate court looked to therapeutic and privacy concerns to conclude that sex-based consideration in staffing decisions made at a mental health facility for minors could fall within the BFOQ exception. The court reasoning in Bostock may have implications for how future courts construed Title VII BFOQ exception, although the court did not address how its reasoning might affect the provision based on Bostock holding transgender employees may bring a Title VII claim alleging that certain practices or policy discriminates based on um, gender identity. How this is narrow exception to Title VII would apply to claims brought by transgender employees is difficult to predict given the range of employee positions, but application of Bostock may present novel questions of interpretations for Title VII BFOQ exceptions. The court de um, decision may also implicate Title 
7. Provision of legal doctrine that, per that permit religious institutions to make employment decisions on religious grounds. Justice Little dissented argued that the court's holding would threaten freedom of religion by forcing religious employees to hire employees whose conduct offends their religious teaching. In response, the majority opinion noted several protections religious entities have against such claims, including in Title VII itself, the First Amendment and Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Generally, the court in recent terms have expanded legal protection for religious entities. Some of these protections discussed in more detail below could limit the reach of Bostock in certain employment decisions. Aiming to balance the um, 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 statute prohibition with the protections of the First Amendment, for example, Congress provided that Title VII itself, that religious entities could sometimes make employment decisions based on an individual's religion. The court holding in Bostock necessarily allows employees to bring Title VII claims alleging discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity, including against employers that may qualify for a religious-based exemption under Title VII. These claims might thus raise new questions or issues about how Title VII religious-based exemptions should be interpreted and applied. Though the full range of these provisions is beyond the scope of what I'm talking about right now. Courts have differed in their application and understanding of these Title VII exemptions, and it seems likely that the court will need to determine how these exemptions apply to anti-discrimination claims related to sexual orientation or gender identity post-Bostock. Religious or organizations might also claim that other legal doctrines shield them from complying with Title VII. The First Amendment derived mineral Religious exception, for instance, permits churches to make employment decisions about their ministers, even if those decisions would otherwise violate civil rights laws. A case addressing the scope of this exception about who qualifies as a minister is pending before the court. Some religious entities may claim that a minister exemption applies to employment decisions regarding certain gay or transgender employees. Finally, entities may have a title. Well, entities may have a defense in Title VII suits through RFRA in certain contexts. RFRA prohibits government actions, including rules of general applicability, from substantial burdening someone's exercise of religion under, unless the government shows that applies the burden. One furthers a compelling government interest, and two is the least restricted means of doing so. Justice Gorsuch, a majority opinion in Bostock, described RFRA as a super statute that displaces other federal laws and noted that it might sometimes supersede Title VII requirements. Outside of Title VII context, the court Combined decision in Bostock may potentially have important contradiction for the proper inter interpretation of Title IX, which prohibits discrimination based on sex and education programs that receive federal financial assistance. Such implications are likely given that Title IX, like Title VII, contains a similar phrase prohibition, uh, and the court have already debated whether Title IX does or does not reach discrimination based on gender identity. Indeed, given the this, um, this similarity between the two statutes, 
courts often rely on Title VII to inform their interpretation of Title IX. Now that Bostock has determined that discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity constitutes discrimination because of sex under Title VII, courts might apply that reasoning to Title IX and certain other um, statutes incorporates Title IX's prohibitions, such as Affordable Care Act, which pro prohibits discrimination in federally funded health programs on a basis prohibited by Title IX. Accordingly to Bostock's reasoning, may also affect interpretations of that statute. One developing issue arising directly under Title IX concerns that um, um, statute athletic requirements for transgender athletes. The Department of Education implementing regulations for Title Nine contains the requirements that schools receiving federal funding must follow in their athletics program. While covered schools may field separate teams for males and females, they may not, on the basis of sex, deny benefits or treat students differently in athletics. Even be before Bostock, applying these requirements for transgender students generated disagreements. While the court's decision in Bostock will assured have important results for employees and employees nationwide, the majority opinion analysis resists, rested on the text of Title VII. Congress may amend the law if it disagrees with the court's decision. In the past, Congress have sometimes responded to judicial decision interpreting Title VII by amending that text of the statute. For instance, when the court held in General Electric Company v. Gilbert that Title VII did not pro prohibit discrimination based on um, pregnancy. Congress amended Title VII to do so. Likewise, Congress may modify provisions in other statutes addressing sex discrimination such as Title IX or the ACA, including to, cl including to clarify whether post-Bostock these um, um, statutes should be understood to apply to discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or transgender st um, statutes. Opinions might include um, supplying a definition of what discrimination because of sex means or otherwise modifying their scope.